0: We're talking about Boise State eSports today on the show, and I'm bringing on the director and head coach of the program, Dr. Chris Haskell, and he's going to educate all of us today on the Game Time Guru. So... What time is it? Game Time If you're sick of the mainstream sports outlets, well, so was I. So I started my own show. I'm Shane Larson, and this is the Game Time Guru. It's different than other talk shows. I'm providing a panoramic view on sports so you can see them through a different lens. So buckle up and let's go. Hey, what's up, everybody? Shane Larson here, also known as the Game Time Guru. I'm excited to have you guys with me today. It's the first time I've been doing a podcast like this where I have a video format for it. So if you're listening to it on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast app, awesome. If you're watching this on either Facebook or on Instagram or on uh, YouTube, I appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, The reason I decided to try it out this way is because I actually got to have a video recording of this podcast with Dr. Chris Haskell as I went to the Boise State Esports Arena to record this show. So I thought I'd put this all together and and try to see what, uh, what people like. What I would ask you guys to do, though, is make sure if this is like your first time listening to this and you're like, wow, this video is awesome, I'd still ask you to please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast platform and leave me a review. If you guys can go there and leave me a review, a rating of any kind, it would be really, really helpful. And people always ask, why do you need a review? Why do you say that in every single one of your shows? Well, guys, when you're a consumer of media and you're scrolling through to find new podcasts to listen to, well, if you have a podcast that has reviews on there, it's just like a product. If you see a product has a lot of reviews, then you're more prone to actually like go to that product and be drawn to that product. So it's the same concept when it comes to media, especially in sports media, when there's a ton of sports podcasts out there, people might not look at one that doesn't have a lot of reviews. So I'm really grateful for all the reviews that I've had so far. And I just ask that if you listen to the show and you like it, please leave me a review. It'd be super helpful. Now, guys, I'm excited to bring this this uh, this guest onto the show and show you the the setup that we had like I said Dr. Chris Haskell allowed my wife and I Taylor to come to the arena and um, do the the interview on the broadcast booth with their equipment now if you guys live in the the Treasure Valley where you're passing through Boise Idaho you guys need to check out this arena so you know it's something that's super special it's really cool they have blue turf that's on the you know the stage where where the players set up Um, They've got an an amazing broadcast set up and the program is huge, not just for the players, but for anyone who's trying to get into broadcast and production, students can get so much on-job training uh, that you can't get anywhere else. So this it was a super cool experience for me. Super cool for my wife to be there. She's never actually been there when I did an interview. So that was a, a opportunity for me to be able to you know showcase my skills and my passion in front of her as well. So I want to I want you guys to to buckle up, listen in, and enjoy what Chris Haskell has to say because this Boise State esports program is actually really young, but they are blowing up and it's uh, really exciting to see. So they've got a lot of potential moving forward. So enjoy the show, guys, um, and let me know what you think. What's going on, everybody? Welcome out to the Game Time Guru podcast. As you guys can see, uh, tonight's a little bit different. Um, we're here in the eSports arena at Boise State University, and it's the first time for me to being able to do this in a setting like this, which is extremely uh, professional, uh, very professional <laughs> setup. And I'm here joined by the director and head coach of the Boise State's eSports program. This is Dr. Chris Haskell. Uh, so thanks for joining us, Chris. You bet. I'm a huge fan of the podcast. This uh, is awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, so I have a couple questions for you here to get started. Obviously, we're in this crazy, awesome um, environment here, this awesome arena. And this started just a couple of years ago, this eSports program at Boise State. Um Talk to us about the growth of this program and and your part in getting it started, Doc. Oh, gosh. Okay, so I've been a professor at Boise State for 12 years, and
1: I have uh, been doing research in games and game-based learning and things like that, and I was honestly just looking for another great keynote topic that I could investigate. So I thought, oh, you know, after-school programs and game programs and competitive gaming in colleges, and I thought, oh, yeah, let me do some research, but I don't... Yeah, I'm an academic, so I don't just research things. I mean, I like to interview people. And I'm like filling notebooks full of notes on eSports. And it dawned on me that, that collegiate eSports, in its infancy, was about to get massive. And there are these moments in the development of anything brand new, mobile technology, um, personal computing, all of these things, streaming, where the people who recognize the growth as it's about to occur have the opportunity to influence what it becomes, um, and we were in that moment. We, we didn't have an esports team, but of the 17 varsity programs that existed at the time, we would have been one of the biggest. Utah had just announced their varsity esports program, and we were aware through, through this research it was about to explode. There are 880 college football programs in the U.S., 14,049 high school programs, and more than 48,000 peewee and junior high programs. If eSports was going to follow any of that type of growth curve, uh, Boise State coming in big and saying we're committed to this, we want to attract the best players in the nation, we want to have the best facilities and the best arena and the best training and the best coaches, then we need to act before everybody else decides to come in. And there were a lot of big schools at the time milling about, including our arch nemesis, Oklahoma. Right, Right, right. And some of those. but. I took that idea forward, and I said, Boise State needs to do this, and uh, you, you don't understand how huge it's going to be. Let's look at these. And they, instead of saying, thank you very much, we'll turn it over to professionals now, they said, oh, okay, great. You're, you know a lot. You're in charge. And what? <laughs> no, 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 no. I was telling you a good idea. You know, it, was like, it was like the scientist in every disaster movie who reports the asteroid, and then they end up on a rocket with Bruce Willis. I mean, there's <laughs>
0: <laughs> and here so I am. So, but I guess that's a compliment because if you look at it now compared to what you're just saying, you're like, hey, they gave you the reins. Yeah. Look at this place. I can't believe what we have here. It's it's unbelievable. And you mentioned the word varsity program. I want to touch base on this. What does it mean for, for someone who's a little bit, you know, I guess... Ignorant or naive or whatever yeah. you want to call it, right? Uh, what does a varsity program mean in regards to esports? Like, what does it mean when you say we are a varsity program?
1: You, let's go. You want to go back in time a little bit? Yeah, let's do. Let's okay, well we're, gonna, we're going back to 1869, and that is the birth of college football, right? Okay. So you have uh, three universities that are granted essentially varsity status from their institutions. The, this is a game that football that kids had been playing on their campuses and their fraternities and their social clubs, and I don't know. It was 1869. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Whatever they did. They were already playing football, but not between schools. So they got permission, varsity status, from their institutions to play. As Princeton, as Yale, as Idaho State—I'm totally kidding. It was <laughs> Rutgers, but um, but as those three institutions, they got to wear their color sweaters, and you know they got to represent the university, and the and the faculty got involved, and the presidents, and and it became a thing. That was 1869, and so varsity status is simply you get to perform in whatever it is you do as the official organization for your university. Okay. So we can't have a second football team or a second basketball team that also competes in other things. No, we have one official and we we support it and lead it however we we choose to lead it. That's different than club sports because it takes a student to start and to lead uh, a club sport and uh, on the varsity side it's it's led by uh, you know faculty and staff it's led and supported by space at the university money from the university to make these things happen including the the time of the faculty uh, to to pull it off and they have the ability to grant scholarships and do all these things related to the school that clubs know so varsity status sorry long-winded answer is is Great the answer. is the university stamp that says
0: this thing that you're doing this is us we support this i love that i love that it's cool to see where it's at so tell me this then um if you're a student and you're wanting to come in and, and you know i guess essentially be part of this esports program how does one try out? Well, you can't a be
1: a noob. First of all,
0: <laughs> no. Um,
1: we we do tryouts. We do tryouts once a year. Um, we we heavily recruit, so a lot of the players we're very familiar with what they're doing already. Uh, some of them even send us highlight reels, um, just like you would for football, uh, basketball, and others. Um, we look at their game records. We look at their standing within the games that they play, uh, as far as. Um, as how they behave within the community because some can be banned and have those bands be part of the record that we can reach and we, we, we find out who they are in the game and then we bring them in to play which we don't have to do physically right although it's much cooler to play right behind us here on the blue but it is uh, we, we can have them play from oregon or, or tennessee we've got a young man from tennessee who's we're recruiting actively uh, for the 2021 class i mean it's we start early
0: this is know. crazy. Okay, so you mentioned Tennessee. <laughs> I was, that was my next question yeah. too. Is uh, the recruits so far since it's a younger program? Um, I mean, I guess younger in the sense of yeah, it's we're, newer two to ex- we're two years old. We're two years old, right? So. so, are we seeing a lot of uh, people locally coming in, or is it a mixture of everyone? You mentioned Tennessee, so we're going further out our branch yeah. now. But what's the the recruits looking like?
1: We we built almost exclusively the first two years from who we had. Um, and in the process started doing some recruiting but it it's a university a big state university the biggest university in the state of Idaho Uh, it's a battleship right and battleships are really powerful but they don't turn very fast so it takes a while to spin up scholarships it takes a while to spin up an arena and, and space so we started with who we had just kids who were excited and wanted to play and were willing to learn and very quickly, it, we started then searching for that class of 2020 and 2021, okay. 2022.
0: I gotcha, I gotcha, okay. So I guess, explain this to us, the the, the different games that you guys play here at mm-hmm. Boise State. So I know that it, when it first started, there was like four games or five, there was a few games that were here. I can't remember, it was like Rocket League, I was reading up on it, yep. Overwatch League maybe? League of Legends, or, right? Um, has and it expanded since then? And, and how does that work? Do we have different, do, do all players play this all of the games, or do we have certain players for specific games that go through?
1: We have, we have sp- folks that not only play only one game, but they play only one role within that game. Okay. So we are recruiting support players. We are recruiting mid-laners. We are recruiting tank players. Um, that's their specialization, and we want to know what they can do within that role because... We have a playbook, and we need linemen, we need wide receivers. We're looking for the people that can, uh, you know, play those roles really well. So, uh, of the 65 varsity student-athletes we have currently, um, only two of them have ever crossed over games. Really? Yeah.
0: That's insane. Okay, so <laughs> the... And they
1: often playing. play those games, but they don't play those games at the collegiate level.
0: okay. Wow. Okay. So you're, you're talking about playbooks. You're talking about role players. And this is where the cross between esports and traditional sports is. It comes in. And this is why I think it's so interesting. And I wanted to bring you on here is because, you know, we were talking before the show, you talked how you used to coach uh, it, Yeah. football, even like, so you've got the traditional sports background as well. And you're mentioning playbooks and stuff like that. People will to the general public, who might not fully understand esports, they might think that's crazy to hear like a playbook. Yeah. you got plays. Yeah. So, can you explain that for us? Like, you got plays, you got strategies. Right. How do practices run when it comes to your program?
1: Well, okay. So that's a, it's a it's a really good question because a lot of people think, oh, gamers, you just let them do their thing, right? right? Uh, Any time you have a uh, highly organized. Team competition. You you have to prepare. You have to know what you're going to do when things don't go the way that you hope. Right. You have to have a unified understanding of of what we're trying to accomplish and not just play, you know, ISO do-do where everybody just slides out of the way and lets the one person, you know, try to take it to the rim. that may work in the playground. That may work when they're just queuing at home. It does not work against a university who can communicate and stop you from doing that thing that you want to do. So it's a lot of move, counter move, move, counter move. So right next to you, hand me that, and I'll show right you. Right here. talking about. Yeah. So this is a, this is an example of one of our our playbooks. So this is a play card, the kind of card that I would cover my mouth with. uh... Wow, you know, okay. During okay. The, it's it's laminated because I think that's coach law. Um, <laughs> but uh, essentially. We had nine players preparing to... Uh, this, was, um, this was our conference championship um, play card. Okay. We knew who we were going to play, and we knew which personnel grouping, just like in football, we wanted in different situations. These situations happen to be maps, right? So w- these are substitutions that we're making based on the different maps that we might play within this map pool. So we practiced these groups on these maps... And these maps are, you know, part of our bigger playbook. Um, We know what our plays are going to be, so it's not uh, uncommon if we go, okay, we're going to, on defense of King's Row, we're going to play GOATS, um, Arch Access, Speed Mid. Um, And that is just a quick understanding of what it is that we're going to try to accomplish. Okay. um, And then, and where, right? So... Mid is the middle of the map, right? These are all different call-outs for um, where different folks can be. And if they give us something we don't expect, our, our quarterback, essentially, our shot caller's job is to, is to make the switch on the fly and everybody adjust the role that they've got to do. So when you talk about playbooks, the key is understanding what you're supposed to do in certain situations you know, and what you're supposed to do um, when you have to change your role and sometimes change your character and how, how we mitigate all of those changing things. It was Eisenhower who said, uh, I always find in planning for battle, that when it begins, the plan is useless, but planning is indispensable. Right. So we plan, we plan, we plan, and of course it falls apart. It always falls apart. But it's understanding more quickly than your opponent what you need to do to fix it that usually turns into victory against two evenly matched teams.
0: That is awesome. It, it, it reminds me, like, you know, uh, the terminology aspect of it is extremely intriguing to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone who's not fully educated on the world of esports, but I'm trying to become more educated on it. Yeah. Because, like, for me, you know, to the general public, the, a quarterback will call out a play yep. uh, uh, in football. And it's like, you know, pro left, T right, Z wiggle 328 H swing on two, and yep. people are like, "What does that mean?" But they know every single, break. they know exactly what it is, mm-hmm. and it's the same concept for you guys. You practice so much that you know what to yep. do, and then if that breaks down, just like a quarterback, you know, someone gets through the line. Well, all of a sudden, his three-step drop or his five-step drops completely off. He's got to take off. Exactly. Everyone knows how to adjust, and that's what your practices are for. I think that's insane, and it's it's so cool to see.
1: Well, and it's the reason why this makes sense in college because, yes, we're trying to defeat uh, other institutions. We're trying to be other schools we're trying to you know climb in the national rankings we're trying to win national championships we're we're lucky enough to um in just two years to have three uh three different mountain west conference titles in the games are the whole mountain west now plays esports so we we uh we took the conference championships in overwatch and in rocket league this year and in rocket league last year um so we know that that's the outcome but the reason that this is a college thing is that some students not every students but some students really like the opportunity to try to become the best that they can for their university at something whether it's football whether it's um, you know graduate students trying to trying to land grants and do really interesting research while they're here they're trying to do something great at their university and so this is just an opportunity to build skills that will translate into other things that we haven't even thought of yet um, but anytime you put put effort into planning and preparation and personal and self analysis and communication and team building all, all those things those are they
0: they last forever absolutely yeah and and you mentioned the the mountain west um, has all Every, every team has a, a, an eSports program. Yep. Now, so do you play in conferences in eSports, or do you play uh, other schools outside of it, kind of similar to football? Like, is there an in-conference, out-of-conference schedule? How does that work? Yeah, so
1: one of the things that we do that um, is unique, because we have this location here, we can, uh, we can play any games that we want whenever we want. So we have a regular season, which are matches that we m- make, and then we have essentially tournaments. The Mountain West has tournaments. The, um, you know, the different publishers who, who make and sell these games, um, they also have their own tournaments, and we jump in those. We're also part of a national organization with over um, 250 now um, colleges and universities that have official varsity esports program, climbing toward that 880 number of football programs, right? Right. Um, when, when we started two years ago, we were number 18. We were the third FBS school behind, um well, Utah, who I mentioned before, which is probably our closest regional rival, and Miami, Ohio. Okay. They had official varsity programs as well. Um, and now there are f- 35, 40, um, you know, FBS programs of the, of the 119 or however many there are. I don't know that number. Um, it, it's growing really, really fast, and it's about to explode um, with uh, with a crazy arms race in the SEC, Big Ten, and Big Twelve with varsity really? programs, it is coming. I spent uh, a week at M- Missouri, uh, Mizzou this uh, this summer, just kind of consulting on on the development of their program, and they're they're going to be the first. But it is it's going to get huge over there.
0: Oh, it's exciting to see the growth of it so far. Like, last year here on the show, we did an eSports mini series, and I was able to speak to, I, I did an episode where I spoke to a fan, just a fan, yep. a general fan, and he went to the Overwatch League Finals in Brooklyn, Aww. and he told about the whole experience from buying the ticket to what the entire so experience cool. is like. One of the coolest things I've ever heard because I, I, I never thought of it like that, but it's grown so much. And then I also spoke yeah. to a head coach uh, from Bellevue University yeah, yeah. and um, he, he talked a little bit about um, his program and, and his, his whole you know perspective on it and how their their uh students are to act and stuff and you were mentioning this before the show you know how your your players your students are supposed to act and conduct themselves and um, i'm curious because this comes up and i watched this uh documentary actually on uh, esports and they mentioned something to the effect of like as it continues to grow grow especially in at the collegiate level um they're going to have to abide by the same rules that other athletes do in the sense of testing and i know that this might be something that we we can or can't talk about but like Adderall for instance it's a it's a, yeah. it's a topic that comes up like do they get tested for Adderall uh, caffeine content in a, in a urine sample stuff like that that gets into the right. deep nitty-gritty stuff where are we at right there and where do you see that going in the near future you bet
1: that's a, and that's a great question and all of that is coming I mean regulation over uh over students is always a part of Intercollegiate athletics, right? I mean, whatever that is, whether it's uh, helping to regulate and uh, and influence their academic progress, because it's not just grades; it's actually progress toward degree that makes you eligible. And a lot of people don't know that. They're like, well, if they're flunking all their cl- no, actually, if they're not taking the right classes, they can be academically ineligible. Um, we follow. The NCAA guidelines that our football team, our basketball, volleyball, softball, all of our other varsity sports do, we follow it and we do it by choice, not because Kurt Apsey or anybody in the athletic department mandates it, because we're we're an academic department, we're not connected to, um, uh, you know, other than being Broncos, we're not connected to athletics, but we follow it anyway, we also follow the Bronco code that all of the student-athletes are done because our, our students are student-athletes, and we want them to think about their experience in that same frame, so we follow the same rules. Twenty hours of practice a week is the maximum. Twenty-four weeks of contact, contact a year. Um, that's also a, a policy. That one's much harder because we actually have two seasons. Okay. Um, so we, we're very, very careful. Um, the, the players probably think that I, you know, I hate their guts at the end of the season because <laughs> we get to the end and I'm like, okay, this is our last practice. Have a great summer, bye. You know, <laughs> and, and we, uh, we just because we're trying to follow all of those all those pieces. But you mentioned about. Um, drug testing piece. That is one part that the NCAA heavily finances and essentially provides the financial support for across uh, those. We don't have that incoming. Okay. Um, And usually, that kind of use and abuse is something that's regulated by a much bigger department than ours. I mean, they've they've got people specifically on the training staff who have been nationally trained in how to do those things. That's all to say, we're going to do those things? We d- we've not been financially supported to be able to do those things, um, and if there's ever if there's ever a question whether a student is fit to play, uh, if they're like their normal selves, they just they don't play, and that's my decision, right? Because right. this is collegiate esports, and we're in a campaign of belonging, right? We want these students to be accepted in the same way that the track athletes are accepted. If we do the same things that they do, expect the same things that they. Do and we have the same high standards, then it's a lot more likely that they'll start to see this type of competition as something that fits with those other types of competitions. Because I mean, let's be honest, rowing is a is an NCAA sport, and this isn't weirder than rowing. Right, right. <laughs> The hierarchy of weird playing games is not as easy, or is not as uh, weird as rowing. I'm
0: quoting that, and I'm taking it into a little snippet for Let's the, go. <laughs> the promotion this for this. This one. isn't weirder than rowing. I love it, man. Uh, we might have just gotten some haters on that one if they, if they uh, listen. With, with, with apologies, with apologies <laughs> to
1: the National Federation of Rowers.
0: <laughs> I, I love it of left left-handed rowers. <laughs> so one of the things that's unique about this one, Doc, is. Um, Your program. You mentioned how, like, you guys had to basically. Here it is. Now you you run with it. But you talked to me earlier before we started. basically everything's ran by students and it you know with the the exception of you said you mentioned like the the broadcasting you mix them with professionals you have students running some of the mixer boards and stuff and it's giving people more opportunities outside of just playing the game it's giving them opportunities to focus on broadcasting stuff that i wish i might have had an opportunity to have in in college like stuff like this um it's giving them a facility and 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 tools and the right people like yourself that can lead them um where do you see this going and continuing to grow do do we want to continue to let the students have these opportunities and have more people to, to come in here and teach them. Oh, you bet! I mean,
1: the we could not we could not put on the broadcast that we do without without student uh, workers and m- many of them. I- Get scholarship or even work study for that time. Uh, No offense to the library, but working replay on an esports broadcast is a
0: way better
1: way to earn their work study than putting away library books. Absolutely, I'm just going to throw that out there. Apologies to librarians. Now, now you've lost most of your librarian (laughs)
0: listeners.
1: Good riddance. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Yeah, we could we couldn't do it without them, and they wouldn't have the opportunity to get airtime to build their resume. So. We do a competition against uh, Utah State, and we create, essentially, the byline for that broadcast um, in a document that we share with our students. They copy and paste all of the activities that they participate in, and they put it right on their resume. So uh, Paul Meyer, a recently graduated uh, broadcaster for us, did over 300 hours of eSports broadcasts uh, for us in less than two years. Um, he got a professional education. It's not quite ten thousand hours, but I mean, it was a professional education that he can now leverage because he can claim every single one of those. Because you can click on it in a in a digital resume and go straight to the VOD, the video of that and you can watch him do his thing.
0: It builds a portfolio for these, a, yeah. these, young, these young individuals that, you know, they're coming out of school. That's one of the knocks on college, so to speak, is that they come out without a lot of uh, life experience. Well, this is exactly that. Like you yeah, said, it, yeah. it gives them that experience and that portfolio. I think it's phenomenal. Well,
1: think about it this way. I mean, so if there are six players on stage, there are between 10 and 15 other individuals who are supporting and working that event. I right. mean, you've got me and maybe an analyst backstage, um, you know, Preparing some coaching and adjustments and things like that. Um, on the desk here, you've usually got three people. You've got a production assistant who's making sure that the lights and the cameras are working right. You've got six or seven in the control room running all the aspects from uh, from switching to camera work to uh, the in-game camera people, which are observers or spectators. You've got the replay operator. You've got the arena lighting and sound operators. You know, it uh, and you've you've got people working social media and making sure that the chat on Twitch is uh, what we would expect of say the pavilion uh, it's not Taco Bell and Arena anymore I can't remember what the new name is but you get uh, Albertson ah, Stadium gotcha. for example <laughs> right? yeah, we've got people who are doing that we've got people working the door and ushing and you know doing those things as well uh, so it, it's, it's an opportunity to be given the reins of, of a big broadcast, and to be able to let that build your future a little bit.
0: Absolutely. I think it's phenomenal. Just sitting here at this desk in, the, in this arena is something that's super special to me, so I can't even imagine somebody that's going through school and wants to do this for a living. Like, oh yeah. This gives them an amazing opportunity. Go and
1: ahead. Th- you know, this, is the, this is the Boise State Game Pants Esports Arena, and this is like nothing anywhere in college everybody is trying to build their version of this um, and I'll tell you that you know directly directly upstairs um, there are a number of theater spaces um, that that could be um, used in in future years to house 300 or 500 to d- develop a stage in there with the uh, with the Bodo space down here um, this you know kind of you know, I will call it the coffee house uh, kind of arena um, is going to get much bigger in years. I'm
0: excited to see it. I'm blown away from this. I've seen pictures of it on social media, but actually walking in here and actually sitting here and seeing what you guys put together, it's mind blowing. Now, part of the cool part about this, and it's, I guess it's just tradition with Boise state is the blue turf. Can you explain the blue turf over here on the, the playing field? So to speak,
1: we, we thought it was really important that our players also have the opportunity to play on the blue. Um, and so, on our elevated stage where our players play, um, we secured a, a donation of a 30 year old piece of original blue turf uh, taken from Bronco Stadium in 1989. And this is the
0: Astro Turf. Astro correct?
1: Turf. You do not want to <laughs> let it contact your skin, it will take most of it off. It <laughs> is. Um, imagine, imagine playing uh, football or soccer on a Brillo pad—a big blue Brillo pad. That's, that's a good a, comparison. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, but it means a lot to them to play on the blue turf, and we are famous for the blue turf. Um, so it it adds a uh, adds a layer of, uh, I guess, cool to something that's already pretty cool.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I thought it was pretty sweet when you showed me that over there. Now, Doc, to finish up, I just want to. Ask you about yourself a little bit. Let's let's spotlight you um, and your your history with gaming. What got you into gaming to begin with?
1: So, so I'm I'm a child of the
0: uh, of the '80s,
1: um, and i loved arcade games okay i have a collection of vintage arcade games actually at my house full sized like you would see in the pizza place i have a pac-man and a space invaders and a, you know a, a bunch of them about eight and uh and so i've always been interested in games my my doctorate and doctoral work is in game-based learning and i've always been interested in these types of things and i play all of the games that we play here um including some of the ones that right now are what we would consider you we talked about the big four but we're also experimenting in some other games with what we call academy teams okay Fortnite and apex legends and uh, csgo and some of these other games that are um that are are different ratings but we're seeing if there's a, a way to build teams around those and what it would be like can we what's the competitive like but so so for me um this is an opportunity to kind of dig in and uh and really figure this thing out. I think fair to point out is that I, you know, for the huge part of my professional career, just short of 10 years, um, I was a high school band director, really. And people are like, oh my gosh, from band directing to esports coaching? And I would argue it's almost the same thing, without oboes. Um, I am preparing students for a performance. I'm preparing an arena. And a broadcast. I'm a way to tell the story of the performance. I'm creating an experience for for people uh, who are coming to watch it. But I help them understand their parts. I don't get to play a single one. You know, uh, it's their job. So it's in preparing them to work well together, to to listen and to notice and to lead at times and when to follow. I mean, it's it's a very musical interplay during a during a match. Um, that, that you have to teach people really, truly how to listen l- how to listen to what's going on and, and, and how to you know, essentially speak or play at the right volume, the right intensity to have the outcome that you want um, it's, a, it, it's a very comfortable um, comparison to me uh, and, and then I, I don't pull my hair out when there are wrong notes because <laughs> you know I, I, couldn't, I couldn't
0: do anything about it I love it man, and, and what's your favorite game? That we play now or o- over What's your time? favorite game that you've oh. ever played in, oh. in, in the history that's 100% your
1: favorite? N64 GoldenEye. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, you had to have the expansion, you know, when, when they made out that little expansion, you know, pack that boosted the video memory a little oh, bit. yeah. Uh, Perfect Dark was pretty good, too, but, I mean, nothing, nothing beats... Um, Nothing beats GoldenEye. And
0: you're like taking me way back. I was, I was, uh, what was I in fifth grade? I believe that was when I was playing that. So I remember going to my friend's house doing yeah. an all-nighter and playing that game over and over oh, and over yeah, and you over could, again. You could play it forever. It had the
1: split screen. Oh, it's so you good. You could play it as
0: Jaws or Odd Job. It was awesome. Super good. So, Doc, where do you um, see yourself? with this program in the next five to ten years do you expect i mean you've grown it so much yeah. do, you, do you intend on sticking with it as much as you possibly can what, what's the plans well for you?
1: you know i thought i was it was going to be this quick uh quick mission to the asteroid <laughs> with willis and and then we'd be done but uh, it it has turned out to be a great vehicle to teach a lot of things that you don't always get a time to teach at the university when i was a, When I was a band director, we would have kids for four years involved in a program, and you'd see them every semester, sometimes twice, three times a day. Yeah. you became a family it, as a professor. I, you know people would breeze through my classes I'd get them for one semester. Um, you don't really get to enjoy the growth of of people unless you have a reason to be together and to do things, yeah. I like this a lot more than I thought I would. It's a lot of work. I mean, the joke is this is the greatest scam ever, right? right. You know, professor of <laughs> video games. But it is the hardest work I've ever done. It's just not real work, right? I, I mean, feel you. But, but for me, I, I'm enjoying this a lot. Now, um, This hopefully this November, um, mid to late November, um there's a high likelihood that uh that I will hit the 200 win mark as a head coach. Okay. And right now I'm leading all active coaches in collegiate eSports with wins. Um that that 200 number is special at Boise State University because there are very few people that have achieved it. Um okay. Bobby Dye got there. Um, you know, uh, Coach Peterson got there. Um <laughs> Skip Hall never got there. Apologies Skip I love you. <laughs> um, I know he's a listener. Um well someone has to push play for him but um, (laughs) but that is a a special number to me so that's my next goal is that is that I I want us as a program to get to that 200 win mark which should happen this year Um, but you know after that it's it's we've got to get kids prepared for and they all happen in the spring for us the national championship we want to make the live finals we've made live finals for one of the games that we've played in in Hearthstone Um, we'd like to make the live finals for the others um, and we think that we can we think we've got the talent we'd certainly have the uh the facilities and the fans for it so th- those are a couple of the big goals um i you know 5 years 10 years uh oof, you know
0: so we'll just check it off yeah, like l- for l- now let's l- focus on l- what l- we got we'll going l- forward we'll start
1: there this is so new we don't know what it's uh, going to be but um but for me you know I'm, cause I've, i because i I'm a, I'm a Bronco. Th- I came here in 1990 to go to school as an undergrad. Lived in Chafee Hall. Um, I'm a Bronco. My wife and I were cheerleaders at Boise State back in the day. Okay. I actually proposed in the Buster costume back in the day. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. So Boise State is is home for us. So to to get that that 200 mark, um, you know, would be super special. And one of the coaches I respect the most in Boise State history, Greg Patton. Um, achieved and blew through that by a ridiculous number um that's
0: that's a special number yeah it's good to be up there that's that's, that'd be awesome well even
1: even just even just to um just to be able to echo the success that they had and talk about them again because those are heroes of mine okay i've gotten to meet all those guys um bobby die was the head coach when when my wife and I cheered. So we, we got to know he and his coaches really well. Okay.
0: You know. It brings you back a little bit. Yeah, it does. Some it good does. times. So. And the last thing I just wanted to ask you, we, we were talking about what you guys have coming up here soon. Like part of being, you know, getting better as a team in any sport for that matter is the competition. Yes. And coming up in a, a not too far from now, like oh. you guys are going to start practicing. You've got a, a, a cool match coming up. Can you explain that whole situation?
1: You bet. So uh, Harrisburg University in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania won the Overwatch Collegiate Championships, which was essentially sponsored and broadcast by ESPN so that's how big it's getting if ESPN is involved Uh, and I got to go uh, witness that in Houston Um, every summer there's a like the NCAA there's a big uh, collegiate esports conference that happens and they've elected to start putting in a a match Uh, you know essentially a bowl game at that and we have been invited to play the Harrisburg team in Overwatch um, in the middle of July and so we've been we've been dormant for uh, almost 6 weeks and we're going to spin back up here in a, in a minute to uh, uh, to prepare for that. We're taking a, um, a really well-known and well-respected co-ed squad okay. um, to face their um, their squad which is all men. Um, and so that there's there's a lot there's a lot tied into that now they're a great team and their director uh, chet smeltz is an amazing colleague and with no criticism of them at all but when you when you you know when you have a team like this that um is very diverse um yep. you know and a game of six often has as many men as women on the stage um that tends to say a lot about the people involved without having to say a thing which is pretty cool um, and that, the, that they're going to be competitive, and that is a game. That's a match that we can win, even against the national champions. Um, that, that we're going to we're going to go there and uh, and. Hopefully, hopefully, kind of steer a conversation.
0: Yeah, you're going to compete. And that's uh, yeah. one thing I think is extremely interesting about eSports. The, the whole co-ed aspect, um, that's something you just don't typically, uh, you don't. You don't yeah. get to see it in other traditional sports at a high level, at least. And so it's cool that we're you're, you're breaking those barriers a little bit in this sense of yeah. allowing that to be something and, well, and and, and
1: I'll add this too that um, that a lot of universities have started to add. I over on the wall right here, we we pay homage to Maggie, um, Borland, who was um, our first female team captain. She's the first female team captain in collegiate history. Okay, but she was our first team captain, um, and and she was hounded big time by the media to you know oh girls can game you know it was it was a we had to help raise the level of conversation yep. about what it is that she did. Um, Many schools will, will choose a female player to be on their team so that there's an opportunity for inclusion. I'll point out about, uh, about the, the female players on our team is that, is that they are really really high level players, okay. um, amazing people, and even better teammates. Um, we're in a position where we have and attract some of the best players in the nation and many of those players are female players because they recognize what it is that um, being part of a team really is here. It's right. not, hey, you're the token girl, come and play with us and get in, the, get in the team photo with us so that we look cool. And a lot of universities have done that. Uh, our, our players are huge and, and captains on our team. I and mean, they're a huge part of what we do because the space is available. Absolutely. Them, right.
0: Now, Doc, where can we watch Boise State Esports? Where can we find you guys and see this? Now you got me all excited about it. And well, yeah. If you can't come to the arena and yeah. you want to watch them, where can we watch you them? Got, you, you
1: come to the arena. It's, it, <laughs> it's super cheap. It, you know, it's $0 to come in and, and, and watch. But um, uh, Twitch, twitch.tv slash Boise State University. That's it. Yeah, it's, I mean, I don't even need to spell it with a three or a one or anything. I mean, it's just <laughs> Boise State University.
0: I love it. We need to be uh, checking this out. So, guys, once again, Shane Larsen here, the Game Time Guru. Awesome. This was an awesome opportunity with Dr. Chris Haskell, uh, again, director, head coach of the Boise State eSports program. We were able to do this interview here in the eSports arena. So I just want to say thank you for your time tonight. You bet. This was a lot of fun. Great talking to you. Thank you so much.